This is Aviation Careers Podcast, an aviation podcast about living your dream and pursuing an exciting aviation career. Your host, Carl Valeri, has over a decade of experience counseling pilots. Aviation Careers Podcast will help you navigate towards your aviation career goal. Here is your host, Carl Valeri. Welcome to the Inspirational, Informational, and Transparent Aviation Careers Podcast. Currency and training for pilots has changed since the COVID-19 crisis. Today, joining me is Captain Justin Nash, an airline simulator instructor, to discuss those changes. But before we begin, a few announcements. This podcast is sponsored by PlainEnglishSim.com. It's the app-based aviation radio simulator. And what they've done is they've set up a coupon, so if you want, you can get a free scholarships guide using the coupon code Plain English Sim, all one word for a free scholarships guide sponsored by PlainEnglishSim.com. So please go visit our sponsor. If uh, you want that free scholarships guide, just go out to AviationCareersPodcast.com, click on scholarships. We have updates every month, and we're adding uh, new scholarships. We're over, well over $50 million in scholarships, well over 1,000 pages in the scholarships guide. And it's, uh, it's been a real blessing. A lot of folks, especially right now, have been using it as a, as a resource. Also, don't forget to go out and check out our YouTube channel. The most recent video is if ATC gives you a number to call, should you make that call? And I discuss with an aviation attorney as to the ramifications as to what you have to look for if you do make that phone call and uh, whether you should, whether you shouldn't, and the different things that you should think about when you do make that call. Anyway, moving on, let's talk uh, to Justin Nash, who is, again, an airline captain and a simulator instructor and somebody that uh, obviously has been on a podcast a few times. We're going to talk a little bit about airline training since uh, the COVID-19 crisis and how things have changed. Hey, uh, Justin, welcome to the podcast. Hey, thanks for having me back, Carl. Yeah, uh, talk a little bit about all the changes in our world since uh, COVID-19. I think it'll be good. A lot of things have changed. Yeah, they they sure have, and not not only from a revenue standpoint, obviously, with the airlines, and we're down quite a bit. Um, you know, some positive notes. You know, I I look at the TSA uh, throughput at the checkpoints. They have all those stats online. And it's really it, it's interesting how things have gone up just in the past month over seventy five percent from the month before. Now, with that said, we're still down quite a bit, about around eighty five percent. It keeps getting better every day, so there is hope. People are coming back to fly. We just need to get a vaccine and also get more people out there to fly because they've also been impacted financially. And once we're at that point, we'll see this uh, industry get back to where it was before and start roaring along. Uh, there's always estimates out there as to what to do uh, during this period. And uh, I just tell people, just continue what you're doing now if you're just getting started uh, and also build flight time. This might be a good time since you have downtime to update your resume and also update your skills. Uh, so that's really, really important. But again, today what we're going to do is talk a little bit about uh, the like the simulator, the instruction, what you can expect that's going to be different in your training at the airline when you walk in the door. So, Justin, obviously you're a full-time uh, simulator instructor and a captain on the, uh, was it, Embraer 190, and uh, you have a lot of experience with people coming in the door and doing some work. And I know, I think the training center you're in has just opened up again. So tell us a little bit, I know it's a lot to talk about. Tell us a little bit about how things have changed. Well, things are changing. You know, we did open up the training center again uh, recently. And, you know, the, the open up itself is slow. You know, we brought in the flight crews. 
and then the other people will come back as it opens up. It has been very staged, which has been kind of interesting because we've been over in the training center and it's just the flight crews over there now, right now, just the pilots. And then they'll bring back the in-flight crew members or flight attendants. And then after that, they'll bring in the ground operations and airport operations personnel and people like that. Probably not for another month or so or more, though. Um, So we've seen that kind of staged opening up. So it's been kind of quiet right now. Um, The rest start trickling in. Well, they just started coming in here June 1st. I just happened to be on vacation. So I haven't been back since the end of May. But um, yeah, so it's, you know, that's where the changes and then the obvious changes, right? With sanitation of the Sims and the briefing rooms and all those kinds of things has taken place. So with that said, a, real, a quick question. I know um, one of the things that we're not seeing much of is initial training. So you're doing quite a bit. I'm assuming it's going to be recurrent training, correct? Yeah, almost everything we do right now is recurrent. Um, now you have a lot of, you have different scenarios. It's kind of interesting because what we don't teach a lot of, we're teaching a lot more of. So recurrent, we do a fair amount of, but then you have things called, you know, landing recurrency. You have uh, situations where people have gone non-current for six months, 12 months. Those are all different footprints. So we're seeing a lot of what we call RC or recall training and things of that nature. So it's it's different, which we don't do a lot of when the airline's running full bore because nobody goes uncurrent. <laughs> <laughs> and so to explain to people what that means is uh, for those folks that are fairly new, Basically, it's every 90 days you have to take off and land at least three times and uh, category class and type, obviously. And, and what here's a funny thing, by the way, and even airline pilots don't know this, is a lot of airline pilots, they have their like a Cessna 172 and they'll go out and do their three landings thinking they're current. Remember, it's category class and type. So if you're getting your currency in a 172, you're not current in an Airbus, are you, Justin? No. You are not. You're absolutely right as a category class and type. And there's good reason for that because, you know, there are people who can land an Airbus who may not be able to land a 172. And there are people that can land a 172 that may not be able to land an Airbus. You do have to maintain currency in that category class and type. And and I'm a big advocate of that because I think it's very, very important. Just because we can fly a 777 or an Airbus doesn't mean that we can fly a Piper Seminole. So... Yeah, it's kind of scary sometimes when you bring the airline pilots back to flying small airplanes. Like myself, when I got back into it, uh, you know, I'm flaring at 50 feet, and the instructor's like, hey, you know, the runway's way down there, you know. (laughs) That's exactly right. And usually what I tell guys is carry a little more speed when they're coming in, and they'll ask me, well, why do you want me to carry extra speed? Well, because you're going to flare high, and I'm going to need that speed because we're going to (laughs) float. Right, right. So until we can work our way down to the runway. So from the airline standpoint, there's the 90 days, but also that's been extended. I know myself, um, I just got a message from the company saying, hey, you're going out of currency for your 90 days. Uh, we have got an extension for 120, in some cases, 150. I understand the 120, and I haven't really looked into the 150 and how that works. But in other words, all they have to do is put a little check mark on your schedule and say, hey, you know, you're, you're current for another month to go to the 120 days. Uh, 150, I'm not so sure. So maybe you could explain a little bit there uh, what happens uh, as maybe you, you know how they can go to the 150 days. 
So the 150, I'm not as familiar with. That's fairly new. And I don't know a lot of guys going that way. A lot of the guys are going to the 120, including myself. So I'm actually in my 120 day month this month. Um, and the reason the 120, what that prevents is, so it sounds, sometimes people aren't familiar with it. It sounds kind of crazy, but if you don't get those three bounces or those three landings, we call them bounces, <laughs> those three landings in 90 days, you actually dequal, which creates a big problem in the system because now you have dequaled. You don't just dequal for the landings, you dequal for everything. So now you have to come back for this really long footprint. So the airlines were very worried about having this rash of dequals where they were going to have to bring people back for large footprints. So the FAA gave reprieve on that to 120 days. And they just said, as now, as long as you're within the 120, you're fine. They did extend to the 150. Again, we haven't used that. Most of most of the guys I've talked to got the 120, and there's even a lot of them were still under the 90. So everybody seems to be kind of in that. I think with just the time frame that it hit, it was about 60 days. So I we've had pretty good luck getting everybody back within the 120. So, so the again the footprint we're talking about is a training footprint, and this is interesting too for people to understand how the airlines operate. Because, it, you know, we talk about furloughs and we talk about people that are on furlough. There's a huge cost involved in getting people back current. This is part of that. Because getting somebody three takeoffs and landings, you could just put someone out on the line and buy them a trip and have them get their landings. Or you can send them to the simulator and have them get their landings. But uh, but when they go on furlough, they got to go through a whole, and depending how long they're gone, if it's six months, a year, two years, you may actually have to go through the whole training process again. Right, Justin? You do. So you have to go through the initial QT. You don't ever have to repeat, but you do have to repeat the modified version of that. And I believe for us, don't quote me on this because we don't get it very often. It's long leaves of absence. I believe it's 24 months. 24 months? Yeah. And then if you're over 12 months, it's a five day footprint. If you're six months to 12 months, it's a four day footprint. And then if you're under six months, then it's just your standard three-day footprint. So there's a varying footprints depending on how long you were out. Okay. And that makes that makes a lot of sense because I think there's something else that people don't understand. I, I do want to get into you know the specifics at the airlines and what they're doing. But one of the things you really need to understand is the fact that you really need to be current, especially when you're working at an airline. I think if there's people that are just starting to listen to this and starting to get into the career, they really don't understand how how quickly you can lose some of those skills uh, as far as not just flying, but understanding all the rules. And there, there's so much more than just, you know, landing the airplane, that type of thing. Oh, yeah, there's. You know, a lot of it's just getting people back in the seat, you know, depending on what airplane you fly, depending on the complexity of the airplane. I mean, it's just a lot of the guys that come in, they just want to sit down and start pushing the buttons again. You know, that's the biggest thing. So um, and that that's what those requal or requalification footprints do for them. Like the four day footprint, the first day is is actually just pushing buttons. That's all it is. You go in, you sit down, you push buttons, you get familiar. There's no checking event or anything like that. So, so going back to uh, you know what happens in the simulators, as far as the recurrent training is concerned, uh, there's obviously these currency trainees, etc. So, for instance, if I don't have my landings, I'm out of currency. 
you don't just go in and do landings. There's more to it, right? It depends. It it depends if you are not current or you coming in just to get current. So if you're somebody, let's do both of those, actually. If say you're somebody who is still current, uh, but you're about to lose your currency, what happens in that scenario? That scenario is just three landings. It's a They block it as a one-hour sim block, and you go in and you get three landings around the pattern. takes maybe all of 15 minutes to a half an hour, and you're done. That's it. Well, I so. had no idea. Right, okay, so it's just the three, like you would in an airplane, but you're doing it in a simulator. That's it. Yep. Okay. So the instructors and different people, management type people, they use that almost every 90 days. They'll come in, they'll just block off an hour, fly around, and they're done. So then now I go beyond my 90 days and or my 120, whatever. Uh, now what do I do? What happens to me if I if I wind up? So for instance, I'm, I'm out on the line again. What if somehow I don't get my landings? What happens next? So if you go past your 90 days and you actually dequal in the system, you're going to have to come back and you're going to have to go through a full footprint. So you're going to go back through, I believe that one's a five-day footprint. So you're actually going to have some stuff on the front end that you normally wouldn't have in recurrent. Then you're going to do the normal recurrent cycle, which is three days, and you will have a check ride at the end because it has to end in a checking event. Then you also have to go back out on the line and you have a one leg IOE check as well on the line. So that's what most of the guys coming through right now are doing. They're doing the um, four day footprint with the front end piece. They come in, they do the regular recurrent with the check ride on the end, and then they go back to the line and they have a one leg IOE. It's not a checking event, but it's done with an IOE captain, and they basically sign off and say you're good to go. So it's a five-day footprint in total. So that's pretty huge, actually. Uh, That's a lot of work. Yeah, it is. And that's why the airlines, when all this COVID stuff came down, they really started working with the airlines right away. Because imagine if you can save, if you've got, you know, what are 5,000 pilots on property, and you can save 20 or 30% of them from going from, I just need three landings to this five-day footprint, the cost offset is absolutely massive. So let's talk a little bit about how airlines do that. And to get people current again, uh, and we hear this a lot of times, they say, well, they'll buy you a trip, that kind of thing. So, and I used to actually like this because, you know, I'm in a base where it's a training base and people would buy trips off of me. So they get their landings and get their, their time in the airplane. So a regular line holder like me, they'll go ahead and they'll buy, uh, a, either a whole trip or a couple legs of my trip so that that instructor or that pilot, whoever it may be, can get their landings in and then they coordinate with uh, the person they're flying with say hey listen i gotta get my landings in uh so that's that's a pretty easy way to do that there is a cost though involved in that isn't there justin there is a cost so the instructors uh, most airlines are allowed to buy trips you know your major airlines pretty much allow their instructor cadre to go out and purchase trips and it does come at a cost the cost is mitigated For the most part, there's still cost to it, but a lot of that cost is mitigated for the instructors because we have to buy trips that are out of our base and, you know, we don't get hotels for it and things like that. And then the pilot gets placed on, basically just gets the trip off, but we don't get additional pay for it. So if I go out and I buy a trip 
to do something for my currency, I'm not going to get extra pay for that. The pilot's just going to get that time off. And then I'm going to get my normal salary that I get as an instructor and I get to go fly. So we're allotted a certain number of days per month we can do that. And then if we want to fly above and beyond that, we have to do it on our days off. And then we get compensated normally for it. But um, there is a cost associated, but I, I think it's pretty low for the company because they restrict it. And then also they're not double paying because I get whether I fly zero days or I fly my required two days a month, I still make the same as an instructor. So Interesting. So, but the actual line holder now, he or she will actually wind up picking it up from somebody else. And that's where you find out that's a cost to the company in that they both have to pay the line holder, the person that's non-current, uh, for the trip and also, or those legs. And then they also have to pay the person that they took the legs away from for that. So that's kind of double pay for, for a normal line holder. Yeah, that would be double pay for a normal line holder. But when it comes to the instructors, um, it's, uh, they, the pilots love us because we buy the trips and then they get the time off. And that's, you know, what you've talked about and we've talked about on previous podcasts is the beauty of seniority and why people sit you know, maybe in a seat or a base for a longer period of time than you might expect. And it could be because they're getting trips bought every month. Yeah, we, I love being in a training base because uh, people come by and take my trips all the time and or they'll take the first or the last turn off a trip. It's a, it's a wonderful thing. Uh, so I can actually either go in late or I go home early. It's uh, pretty cool. One of the things that I'm trying to do right now is kind of paint a picture for the people that are listening in that there are a lot of costs involved in this type of environment where people are just not flying. I know that we see this sometimes with, especially the folks doing long haul, that type of thing. Uh, folks that are flying the 777s overseas, they go out of currency all the time, especially the international relief officer, the IROs. Uh, and that's kind of built into the whole pie as far as that expense is concerned. The difference right now with this is that this really isn't built into it. I mean, we expect our pilots to all be current if they're flying a regular schedule, because, I mean, to get three takes and landings, whoever thought that we would ever have that issue, but we're starting to see it now, aren't we? We are. And it is a huge cost. I mean, you know, the instructors, it's a little different because they can bring us in, but we make up a very small portion of the pilot group. I mean, there's, you know, we're uh, a very small portion of that. I mean, most of the time, I think the instructor group takes up maybe three to 4% of the pilot group. But anyway, so yeah, the cost is huge. And, you know, the big thing is, is getting people back in for recurrent, not allowing them to go down. The big thing we've seen with instructors too, interestingly enough, is because the flying has been reduced, we can't even go out and buy trips. So I wasn't able to get trips last month because I can't go out and buy them because our schedule, you know, as with most major airlines right now, the schedules are reduced by 80 or 90%. So I'd have to travel to another base and do all this kind of different stuff. So it creates a lot of cost. And we've got a lot of people, you've got a lot of people sitting around on reserve who aren't flying, who are getting paid. And that's a big cost too, because they're not generating revenue. But these people are sitting around on reserve getting their you know contractual monthly guarantee and uh, the company just can't use them. So um, yeah, the co- I can't imagine the cost. So one of the, going back to the training environment now, and let's talk a little bit about that specifically. 
And I think most of the airlines are doing a similar thing. So we're talking to you with that you work for a specific airline. What what's going to be different for the person coming in the door? I mean, what what can they expect? I would assume that you know, as far as social distancing, it's kind of hard to do in a cockpit. Yeah, the sims are kind of a defined amount of space. Can't really exp- expand that, right? Uh, well, not without a lot of work with the FAA, but um, yeah, so you do. And they they try to implement the social distancing and where they can. But for us pilots, it's really going to be difficult for them to do that. So the best way that they can do it is everybody be respectful of each other's space. You know, they're, they're trying to clean everything and make sure that's there. But the distancing part, I mean, I, I spend very little of my time at the training center six feet away from someone just given the work environment we're in. So how about actually specifics? Like for instance, the pilots, what can they expect? Do we have to bring wipes? Do we have to wear a face mask? What what have you been seeing? Well, what we're doing um, where I work, the company I work for has provided everything for us. So they've done a really nice job. I mean, every room has wipes, spray, hand sanitizer, all of the things that you would need. Also at the front door, uh, they're providing masks and all the things that you would need that they want you wearing inside. So they've done a really nice job of that. It's very interesting, you know, when you get in that environment, because obviously you can't just stand six feet away from someone, right? So you have people of different, also of different tolerance levels of how they feel about the virus and what they should and should not be doing or have to be doing. And so I would say as an expectation coming in, just be flexible. Uh, Understand that you have a lot of people from a lot of different places with a lot of different ideas on how this should work. But at the end of the day, we really, we just have to get through our six hours to get a job done. And then we can, you know, you can go on and, and do what you need to do. But the idea is I would say just be flexible and understanding too. And if you're somebody that's really adverse to it or worried about it, be understanding that you're going to have to spend some time probably closer to people than you may be comfortable with, but let them know that because most people understand that and they'll take the proper precautions. I haven't had any trouble with it so far. Most guys, most people coming in have been very aware of the situation. They kind of come in, they do what we need to do. Everybody's respectful of each other. And then we head out. So if you're someone who's concerned about going through recurrent training, uh, there's been a lot put in place by every airline as far as safety precautions, you know, and I think that one of the concerns is that people go to training and then it's transmitted that way, et cetera. But you have to understand it's, it's very similar to like what we do on the line. I mean, a very similar type of precautions with all the, the cleaning and the face masks and, and stuff like that. So um, I don't see a huge difference uh, between the two other than the fact you're in a building with other people. But in reality, now that things have changed, you're not having a lot of interaction, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, with a lot of other people. No, you're not. I mean, at least the way our facility is set up, you can pretty much come in, go to your briefing room or your classroom, and you can mitigate that contact with other people fairly easily. I mean, the classrooms, of course, they're taking all the precautions there. The chairs are further apart. There's less of them in there. They've reduced the class sizes down so that people, when they're sitting in the classroom and stuff, can keep their distance if they so choose. 
the part that you really have no control over is the briefing room and the sim itself. But you're talking about at most four people in a room, generally only three. So you've got three people in there, three people in the sim. As long as you're working together and cleaning up, using hand sanitizer and those things, I'm with you, Carl. I don't see much more of a risk than a lot of other things we do in our day-to-day lives. And I can tell you the the training center is one of the cleanest places I have ever seen in the last three months. I mean, it is <laughs> unbelievable. We actually have a cleaning crew in there. They have brought in 24 seven cleaning crew. So they clean everything behind everybody. So I, I told my wife, I'm like, we're probably better off there than we are at home. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's great. Um, and, and that's good. It makes me feel a lot better, especially since I'm probably going to be going to training shortly. And I'm sure there's a lot of people listening that are going to do the same, uh, kind of shifting gears from an instructor standpoint. I know a lot of people think of becoming instructors, et cetera. What, as far as your life and your schedule and what you're doing, have you seen a big shift? What's, what's really changed for me? Not a lot. Um, it's actually brought more consistency to my schedule, because like I said, we're, we're teaching less time slots and we're teaching the same uh, curriculum over and over versus normally as an instructor, you know, on Monday, I've got a new hire on Tuesday, I've got recurrent on Wednesday, I've got to teach ground school on Thursday, you know, so your schedule's kind of all over the place. This has actually put some consistency in there um, in the schedule. So from that perspective, I would say it's actually, I don't want to say improved, but it's, it's, it's added some nice things in that regard. And, you know, before when all the training centers were shut down as instructors, we were extremely blessed to have the opportunity to spend more time at home and not have to come in and still getting paid and still having a job. And that's what, you know, I talked to my wife about too, just very thankful to be in a position and and be at a place where even during that I could come home, spend my time with my family. So um, the pilots are probably the ones that's changed the most uh, because like, for instance, the recurrent footprint, even if you're coming back for a normal recurrent, which is normally a three-day footprint, it's now a five-day footprint. And that's because you can't travel on the same day. So it used to be you'd come in on day one and you would go right into recurrent. And then on the last day, you would commute out. Well, everything now is built on a five-day footprint. You come in the day before and you leave the day after. And the reason for that is the amount of service and just everything that's going on with cleaning the um, the hotel rooms and all that kind of stuff. They have to have more time between visitors and things of that nature. So that's where most of the changes come is from the line guys. So it really has made a difference in our schedules as line pilots. Uh, not so much, not too bad for the instructors. And and that's quite interesting, something I didn't think about as far as moving people back and forth and just the extra time involved in cleaning, et cetera. And with that said, of course, again, there's a, a cost to the company when that happens. The other thing, too, I think I see on the Internet a lot and questions about, and I'd love to ask you this, is I think the perception from a lot of people is the fact that as an instructor in the sim center, you're not doing much work because there's not no longer any hiring going on. So if there's some way you could somehow describe to us the difference between before when there was a lot of hiring happening and now as far as your workload is concerned, has, has it changed dramatically? I don't know if I would say it's changed. I mean, at the end of the day, 
you know, we have a CBA, we're allowed to work X number of days per month and we're required to have X number of days per month off. Um, so from that, if you don't want to load yourself up from that perspective, it's about the same. I would say it's a little bit less because you don't have as much new hire training going on. So you don't have the large ground schools and things like that that you're teaching as much. Uh, so from that perspective, you're just doing basically the recurrent working with guys already there where it has had a big effect is we're running on just more of a basic schedule now. So there's not the overtime opportunities and things like that, that we were having before. Cause what you'll see, at least in my experience with airlines, when there is a huge rash of hiring airlines, don't hire instructors to meet the current demand. They hire instructors to meet their forecasted demand over, say, the next three to five years because they don't want to hire 300 instructors for their hiring today and then something, God forbid, like COVID hits or something like that, or they just scale back um, and then all of a sudden they have this excess of instructors. So what they do is they tend to, those high periods, they tend to just kind of hand out overtime and give guys an opportunity to work extra and most guys will take that opportunity because they know the low time is coming like right now. And so for us, you just see that kind of overtime situation go away and things. But now we're back to just a basic schedule. Interesting. And that makes sense for costs. And there's one thing that I think that people don't realize is that they that fluctuates throughout the year as far as training is concerned, et cetera. There's certain times during the year when you know, we're really busy and there's times that we're not as busy. Uh, so it's not kind of even, it's not every month isn't even. So it's kind of interesting how that happens. Yeah. It's very uneven throughout the year and it's not necessarily when you would expect either, which is interesting. So, so when are the busier times? I guess maybe I should ask that question. Uh, the busier times tend to be the least travel months. So that's when you're going to have the most people coming in. So that's going to be into April and May between spring break and summer. And then you're going to have September, October. So those are your core four busiest months generally. And then the summer actually peaks too, but the summer peaks for my airline for a different reason, maybe than other times for others. That's when we build everything for the following year. So our training curriculum doesn't run on a calendar year. And so we reset everything mid-year. So we spend the summer building everything. So while the line pilots are all out flying, we're all in the schoolhouse writing the curriculum for the new year. And that starts August 1st. So when they all come in in August, September, October for the big, big recurrent season before the end of the year, that's all new material for the new courseware year. So it ebbs and flows that way. That's quite interesting. And so you can expect that if you're in the training department or looking to get into the training department. So, Justin, what do you think is going to happen as far as, as moving forward? Have they either told you or or from your experience, what can we expect as far as the training environment uh, going forward? Are we going to see many changes or do you think most of the changes have been in place already? I think most of the changes are kind of what you see. You know, there's been a few. The FA has also relaxed some things like, for instance, when you're in the sim, the FAA generally requires you to wear headsets, especially on check rides, because they want to create real realistic environment. All of that has been relaxed. It's 
been interesting with the oxygen masks. That's been a relaxation there as well. So you will see some things like that that have changed. You're not required to wear headsets and things of that nature anymore for obvious sanitary reasons. But outside of that, I mean, it, it almost feels business as usual, except for the fact the building's empty. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, hopefully that building will, will fill up some more in the future. Like I said, once we get a, a vaccine for this and uh, things start moving forward. Uh, and, you know, again, this is going to end at some point, uh, just like every other disease we've seen. But uh, there's just a big unknown right now. Um, but one of the things I think is really important is keep that positive attitude moving forward. And and I know you have and, and you've been a great proponent there for aviation in general. But as far as summarizing for somebody, as far as the airline training during this crisis and during COVID going forward, uh, again, just go over real quickly. What what are some of those things again we should expect that are, that are going to be a little bit different than we've seen in the past? So yeah, so when you're coming in for your recurrent, or even if you're coming in for new hire training, if you're lucky, you know when the airlines start hiring again, I'm I'm with you. I'm I'm positive it it will change, and we will start to get back to normal. But uh, just expect longer travel times. Be flexible. Understand that your footprints are going to be longer because they're trying to balance so much logistically in the schoolhouse and the hotels and everything else that they've extended the footprints for mostly what I understand, but most airlines. So you're going to have a longer footprint, a little more time away from home. And then when you're there, understand that you just have to kind of figure out, you know, what you need to do when you're there as far as sanitation and, and wearing the mask and doing the things that you need to do. Uh, the mask is not required necessarily all the time if it doesn't facilitate with training, um, but expect to be wearing a mask and doing those normal things. And, you know, again, it's it really does feel a lot like normal. It's just that everything is cleaner. You see the cleaning crews running around. People are wearing masks, but nothing that you wouldn't see out in the general public for the most part right now. And uh, I've been really happy with it. I mean, it's, I haven't gone in and seen anywhere they've cut corners, you know, they've got automatic door openers on all the doors now. And, you know, just those little things you would expect to see. But as far as us instructors, you know, we still want to deliver the level of training that is expected. And we still want to make sure that training is being conducted the way it needs to be to keep everybody safe and keep everybody current. Um, and they've really done a nice job of allowing us to do that while putting in place these other things. So, like I said, outside of the travel, the normal stuff, I think it's still a pretty positive experience. I don't think, you know, we haven't had too many complaints. Let me put it that way. No, that's, that's good to hear. Uh, so you're obviously doing something right. Well, Justin, this has been awesome coming in and helping us understand what's changed in the airline training environment since COVID-19 and and moving forward. And it just seems to me it's uh, just a few little things have changed. Uh, might take a little longer. Uh, a couple things we've already had to deal with anyway in our our quote unquote new normal lives anyway. So uh, so that's pretty exciting. I can't wait till things get back to normal, whatever normal is again as far as airlines are concerned. But it's gonna be a while. Till that happens. Um, but the good thing is all the training centers are set up and they're ready for you. And uh, people like Justin are, are ready to have you come in and, and do some training. Anything else you want to say before we uh, we cut off here, Justin? No, I, I agree with you, Carl. I, I think I've enjoyed it. Um, it is nice to get the message out there because we get a lot of those questions. You know, what do I expect? What's going on? What should I be looking for? And 
And again, it's, it's usually not, most people I've talked to, they're like, well, this isn't too bad at all. This is actually kind of nice. It's quiet around here. We can do our own thing. So yeah. So I, I would say, don't worry about it too much. Know that you may have to spend a little more time away from home than usual, but outside of that, it's good. And I've enjoyed it, Carl. Thank you. <laughs> awesome. And of course, we'll have Justin back on again to answer some more of your questions, especially in training, et cetera. And, uh, and, and Justin and I are hopefully going to go flying again in the near future. Um, one of the things that I think is important, though, I, I'm going to share this podcast with a lot of folks, and, and please do, a lot of your friends that are airline pilots right now, just to kind of give them just a review or, or an introduction to what training is going to be like when they go back to their airlines and start doing some recurrent training. So if you already have an airline pilot friend, you know, send that out to them and, and let them know what's happening. And also your friends in the industry uh, and people that are outside the industry too, just to make them more comfortable to know that we are doing what we can and we're doing our best. And I think the procedures are proper to prevent any type of spread of any any disease, especially the COVID-19. Uh, it really, it, it's a great thing that we're finally moving forward with training again. And I think we're going to see this as a positive step forward in general. Uh, and I'm really excited about the future. And if you're somebody that's uh, going through training right now, thinking about a career in aviation, or somebody who's just interested in aviation in general, just remember that what we're doing is we're, we're trying as hard as we can to keep you safe. And I think what we're doing is really effective. And I really hope more and more people will start coming back to flying because of all the different procedures that we've put in place. Well, gosh, this has been exciting having Justin on. It's always exciting talking about training at the airlines, et cetera. Um, and don't forget, by the way, to visit our sponsor, PlainEnglishSim.com. That's that app-based aviation radio simulator. It's really cool if you're trying to learn aviation English or if you're trying to communicate both with VFR and IFR. It's really neat. You can actually, uh, there's little lessons in there type of things. You can go back and forth. Um, I guess they call them lessons or, or uh, I can't remember the proper terminology, but it's really cool. Just little units that you can go in and learn different uh, things as far as the environments where you're flying. Also, the other thing they're doing is they're actually giving away some scholarships guides and you can use a new coupon code it's called plain english sim all one word for a free scholarships guide and you can find those scholarships right here at aviationcareerspodcast.com click on the scholarships put in plain english sim visit our friends at plainenglishsim.com either for yourself or your for your friends as far as making sure that you can speak properly on the radio. It's great practice. There's many ways to do that. Uh, we actually did an episode on Stuck Mike Avcast as far as uh, aviation communication. I encourage you to go out and listen to that because there's some really good advice that a lot of the instructors that are on that show talked about. But I think the most important thing that you can do is in this environment, what I'd love you to do is if you're thinking about this as a career and you're or you're thinking about trying to get more people involved in aviation and back flying, share this with them. Share what we're doing at the airlines to keep our our passengers safe, both from the standpoint of in the airplane, but also through the training environment. So we we prevent the spread of that disease amongst the crew members. And, uh, you know, hats off to all the airlines, what they're doing moving forward. And I think more and more people are definitely going to come back when they realize how safe the environment is after we've put in all these procedures. Uh, but most importantly, Try to do something today. Once you once you actually turn this podcast off, don't don't stop there. Uh, maybe put a note in your phone, call somebody, uh, write it down, look, search on the internet, go to the show notes, to the links, and make sure that you don't stop. 
do something today to move forward in your career and in your life. Well, thanks again, Justin Ash, for coming on. And thanks to you for listening. We'll talk to you in the next episode and safe flying out there. You have been listening to Aviation Careers Podcast, an aviation podcast about living your dream and pursuing an exciting aviation career. This aviation podcast is produced by the Valeri Aviation Corporation. Although hosts or guests may receive compensation for products and services discussed in this podcast, compensation never influences our opinion. Before purchasing any product or service, you should always do your own research. Music by Billy Wheeler. All rights reserved.